1: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Y Wales, wherever you are in the world. Uh, I know it's a constantly evolving space, and we have a really, really cool uh, interview today. We're, we're going to take a little step back away from the whole cryptocurrency and, and blockchain thing, and we're going to dive a little bit more into the Web3 metaverse. And how are we actually going to you know interact uh, in, in a space where you're distanced from a physical presence? And I think what we're going to be looking at today uh, with Sly Lee and, and Isaac is really, really, really um, one of those things that sci-fi has told us is coming. We just haven't quite seen it yet. So before we get into all that and and all the excitement there, um, Sly, would you like to start us off with uh, kind of the who who, or why you uh, got here?
2: Yeah, sure. Thanks so much, Jay, for having us here. Um, I'm Sly Spencer-Lee. I'm co-founder and co-CEO of Emerge. And it's been an interesting personal journey for me, working in now the metaverse because I started out as uh, a child of immigrants born and raised in Mississippi in the deep South. Um, Jay and I both shared that Southern root, if you will. <laughs> and I was before in my professional career in the marine science space and deep technology space. So I was doing things like 3d mapping underwater um, in Hawaiian countries around the world, leveraging really early photogrammetry software, sonar, LIDAR, and this is 2013 or so, when we were trying to create 3D models and reconstruct them in digital format. But we were capturing the models underwater in ocean environments, which was extremely challenging. But that's really where I I think cut my teeth in terms of blending different sensors, different technologies, really pushing the limits of 3D at a time where I think it was still a little bit too early for a lot of the compute to handle what we were doing in the space. Um, I created a nonprofit around it. It was primarily an oceans education nonprofit. Um, we got some funding from Autodesk, Google, Lenovo. Um, and for three years, it just went around the world and 3D mapped lots of things underwater like coral reefs. We, battled, we, we 3D mapped the USS Arizona Battleship in Pearl Harbor. Um, we featured in Wired Magazine, Fast Company. It's a really fun and exciting time. Um, But that was the first step that led me to ultimately a huge moment in my life where I met Isaac and our third co-founder, Mauricio, in 2015, where we started this company, Emerge, which we'll talk about later.
1: Fabulous. Fabulous. And uh, Isaac, and by real quick slide. By the way, I I originally went to college to be a marine biologist. Oh, nice! So exactly. I, I share your affinity with you know scuba diving and, and being a Midwesterner. Saying no, no, I want That's to go to like you know, most, major in beach in the beach.
2: Most kids grow up wanting to become one of like a few things, like an astronaut, a firefighter, a marine biologist, and then at some point we lose the childlike wonder. And so I I am really grateful that I did pursue it for a few years, and now I'm really grateful that we're working in the tech space now, because I think this is where we're going to have the most impact, to be honest.
3: I'm super excited to hear more. Isaac. Well, first of all, thank you so much uh, for having us here. It is a pleasure. Uh, in my case, uh, I have a, a similar journey, as, as Sly just shared. Um, uh, the the web 3.0 and the Metaverse, those are very common words today, and and uh, we've been talking about this this new field very intensively in the last few months. But it is it is in essence a convergence of many technologies that have been evolving and developing in the last few years, no? from sensor, sensor fusion uh, to uh, um, uh, far development in three D mapping and uh, uh, compute. Uh, to technologies like the one we are using, ultrasound, right? That has been evolving a lot in the last few years. So uh, my journey starts in technology. I am a telecommunications engineer. So uh, I kind of grew up with that passion of uh, creating technologies to uh, improve people's lives. In particular, I was very passionate always about human connection. And uh, I was born and raised in Spain, as you can tell by now by my accent. (laughs) Um, and uh, yeah, I spent my first years in the, at a huge corporation at Siemens in the healthcare industry. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to make an impact, so I thought that joining a huge corporation could, could be the better path for me, and now I know that the entrepreneurship path is the, is the right one to, to achieve that type of impact. Uh, during my weekends and nights, though, I, I was fulfilling that vision, that dream of being a, an entrepreneur. Um, So, I designed, uh, uh, when I was at Siemens uh, during my nights, during my spare time, this device for cancer treatment. That was my my first experience as an entrepreneur. And it was a device aimed to improve the efficiency of the radiation therapy techniques, which is still today one of the most used cancer treatment techniques in the world. And uh, that was a really good experience for me. Actually, I'm very grateful for that because I, I, I received this recognition by the MIT, the innovators and the 35. And uh, that award opened for me many doors. And I'm so grateful for that. One of those doors was the World Economic Forum and the web I um at that time I was living in Colombia I spent 3 years there working for Siemens and I did uh, I worked a lot with my community when I was in Colombia one of the things that I did was uh, working with the uh, FARC former FARC guerrilla members as part of the reconciliation process. For context, uh, uh, Colombia was in war for 60 years with the FARC, and the most difficult part after the reconcilia- uh, after the, we signed the peace treaty was the reconciliation, how to reconcile a society that has been torn by the war for so many years. Um, and the second big uh, uh, door for me was actually this program that like mentioned before in Silicon Valley, uh, funded by Google and NASA, where I got to meet them. Um and uh, the three of us uh, we we shared the immigrant story that was that was the way we started we We realized very soon that we were very passionate about human connection and we wanted to do something about it. We wanted to to change the way we communicate with others when it's not uh, possible to be physically present with the people that we care about
1: so so when you i mean so we have a very interesting story already. We have you know a, a marine. I, what's the what's the technical term for that? I, I was a marine biologist. So, so marine biologist, but specializing in, in sonar and and you know mapping things. Yeah, that are and that was bad. on my
2: own spare time as well. So, my professional day job was just the kind of the classic vanilla marine biology, and then I ended up just converting my passion for tech into a nonprofit, and then
1: you know forward. So, so already an entrepreneur, and and then we have over you know on the other side, it, it just it, it, a hardware um if i don't mind if you call me if i call you a hardware geek um but like you just you love tinkering and playing with things and and so what what have we built
2: at emerge we've built a system that allows you to physically feel a virtual environment and the key here is we do it without without a glove without a wearable without a suit
3: yeah uh, everything started as we when we realized uh uh, that we were very grateful for these technologies, uh, our smartphones, these, these platforms like Zoom that became in the last recent years very popular. Uh, we are grateful for those technologies because it uh, enabled our lives as immigrants. Uh, but it is still very, very limiting, right, when you want to feel more present with the people that you really care about. And when we thought about it, uh, we realized that the missing piece was the sense of touch. Because the sense of touch is so important for us as humans, right? If you think about it, we use our hands to explore our world. No? The, our hands are the natural interface. And uh, we use our hands as well to express our emotions. Uh, there is, sometimes there is nothing to be said. Um, and the, the, the grasp of the shoulder or holding a hand is more than enough. Um, so we thought... If that is so important for us humans, why we haven't seen it in our communication? So we, we, we decided to start working on that, spend the, the first five, six years working on a technology that will allow us to incorporate the sense of touch in the most natural way. And we can talk later a little bit more about the technology.
1: So so as a, as a point, and I would love to hear you guys' feedback, we, we've we interviewed a number of, of Web3, VR, AR, you know, various platforms, and, and the... Consensus I hear is, you know, Web 1 uh, was defined by people suddenly spending four to five hours a day on a computer, which was never something that anyone would think of happening Mm -hmm. prior. Web 2 has been defined as moving that over and spending four to five hours a day, not talking on the phone, but touching or interacting Mm -hmm. with it with this flat device. And, you know, while Web3 is still being, you know, kind of decided on what it's going to be and it's evolving daily, um, I've I've heard a number of people say that Web3 will be defined by people spending four to five hours a day in a VR, AR environment.
3: Mm -hmm. And And I will add with the people that really matter to you. I, I, and um, we've been talking about the, the main focus of Web3 is a new type of economy and how, how many things we are going to be sharing that new type of economy and how we are going to exchange value. Um, but the, from, my, or from our perspective, the main difference between 2.0 and 3.0 is going to be the, the way we interact with others. Social media was that, no, uh, an amplifier. So you you were up there, and then out of the sudden, you were connected with so many people, and you wouldn't know most of them. Uh, and we've seen how the connections that we we're creating in that type of platform uh, were weak. Uh, so I think that is going to be an approach that is going to be, or is going to be a, an aspect that is going to be very important in in this new wave.
1: Awesome. So so uh, so is this the device that you have? Uh-
3: yeah, this is the
2: device that we've actually um, built, and we've started very uh, uh, slowly testing with users over the last years, gathering feedback, and it uses ultrasound to create a force field that you can physically feel midair. We call this version, the first product, the Wave 1. Go ahead. So
1: so Wave 1, and, and it, it's in prototype phase, or is it out?
2: Actually, um, as of just recently... We have launched the first uh, availability of our product. If you go to our website, Emerge.io, you can actually have early access to this device.
3: Yes. um, uh, First of all, I wanted to share that we've been uh, working on this technology for a while. So in the last two years we've been testing this device with real users. And that was really important for us because we wanted to be sure that whatever we'll put in the hands of people uh, at the end of the day will be very compelling and the content will be very engaging. And because of the type of company that we uh, want it to be, we wanted to solve a real problem. So for the last two years, we put our device in the hands of consumers in their homes and also here in our office. And uh, we have a video first that shows uh, those reactions. And so yeah, let's take a look. This is absolutely absurd.
2: <laughs> oh, that's cool.
0: <laughs> oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, that's that's fantastic. fantastic. God, that's pretty wild.
2: Anyone in particular you would like to try this experience with? Yeah, my my dad. Thinking that oh, let's say my mom is playing, thinking that I'm gonna be able to touch her like right hand again
1: it makes me happy I, I just imagine that that would be a really meaningful thing to virtually be able to hold someone's hand while they are really craving some type of human interaction
2: kind of just to connect with that person and have a completely new experience you interact with people in their space virtually and Having that and then adding your know, physical experience to just two more layers,
3: and it's like, whoa.
0: <laughs> that sensory aspect was so fun. I
1: hate to say I feel like
3: a super villain
0: almost. Oh my god, my godson would love this. You
3: can't
1: get it. <laughs> it's very tactile, and the fact that you don't have to use those controls
0: and uh. stuff like that, using your hands, makes it feel, I don't know, it's more visceral. It
3: Interacting feel- with
1: people this is perfect. This is, I mean, again, this brings, no matter what the scale of it, this
2: brings another level to that. So what you might notice is that these people are using the product in a variety of conditions, um, in VR, in AR, without AR, VR wearables at all. We're really truly aiming to create a new type of interface that enables touch across any virtual medium, um, and what you mentioned earlier about the web, the shift from Web 2 to Web 3. I think the only thing I would disagree with is that I don't see it necessarily as the big defining factor of spending all that time in AR or VR. I think these are transition technologies that are enabling us to do some things a little bit better than we than we otherwise would be attempt to do on a 2D screen. But we we definitely see. Um, Even the current state of VR, you know, as fantastic as the Quest 2 headset is, which is effectively a 4K display, you know, 2K in each eye, and at a really affordable price point, we still see this as a transition step in terms of presence virtually. Um, And so we've always been thinking about how do we future-proof our user interaction and our product that can pair and work in a variety of contexts. So that's why you see in this user video they use it across a variety of mediums.
1: So, so a number of headsets, including one I I haven't seen before, which is flashing those little lights at them. Um, What are they trying to? Are they touching other people, or what are they touching right there that they're they're clearly reacting to something?
3: In in the in the
2: they're they're actually reacting to a variety of different stimuli. Mm -hmm. Some really early prototypes, something as simple as catching a virtual ball, to interacting and giving someone a virtual high five. playing a game or they're shooting lasers out of their hands. There's a few different prototype uh, experiences that we've been building over the last years and testing them, but all of them are built around the sense of social presence and and geared towards multi-user interaction. And that's what we intuitively felt would be the strongest use case even before we built the technology was something as simple as this or a caress would be really powerful for someone to do virtually. And so every game that we built is centered around some type of social interaction.
3: Yep.
1: So it, it, it's a it's an amazing you know um, concept, <laughs> and it's amazing you know, and the fact that the follow through uh, to bring this to market because clearly, like I said, there's there's nothing tethered to them. They're clearly touching something, mm-hmm. and you could see through a variety of people they were interacting with that shape in the in the same manner. Let's let's geek out on it for a second and, and really describe to me what is occurring um, underneath that. That plate.
3: Yeah, so um, we, we called our product, our first product, the, the Immerse Home. And the Immerse Home has three main components. The first one is the Immersed Wave 1 device. The second is a social virtual experience that you can enjoy in your Oculus Quest. And then a mobile application. So the, if we go by one by one, the Emerge uh, Wave 1 device is a new tabletop type of device that emits a force field in front of the user and this is so,
1: so hold on you're going you're going to hold on for a second cuz force field and and everything else you're going to have to describe what a what a force field is is like is it repelling like space lasers or <laughs> what does that mean for to, for us laymen here
3: it's true we we are so used to 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 talk about this uh, uh, force field and and use these words that sometimes we don't realize that we are talking about sci-fi type of language No, we are talking about very futuristic uh, concepts so essentially what we are doing is we are using ultrasound, and since okay. ultrasound is a mechanical wave, very similar to regular sound, just a different frequency, uh, that ultrasound carries pressure, right? When you go to a concert, for instance, you feel the music on your chest, what is happening there is the, the music, the sound is carrying uh, air, is, is, is carrying pressure towards you, and you feel that. Uh, We are using a higher frequency, which means that we can manipulate that sound or ultrasound in a very precise way, in a millimetric precision. So essentially what we are doing is we are manipulating, sculpting that uh, acoustic field in a very precise way to the point that we can generate uh, different volumes uh, or different sensations. And we map those uh, that tactility to the virtual content. So the user is wearing a VR headset in this case. In the future, might be an AR headset, smart glasses, projected holograms, and uh, we make that virtual content that the user is seeing tangible.
1: I am already regretting not bringing a smarter co-host on with me. <laughs> so when when we're talking about this this wave, <clears throat> and and it's not sound because so like dogs aren't going to be freaking out with it or anything else. You're you're is it a magnet thing? But like. I'm just, I, like I said, you, you're really going to have to struggle with me, and this is a good case for anyone else wanting to know it. How does what is this, what is somebody reacting to? How are they feeling that it's not airflow, it's not sound at, by that point anymore. What, what what is the technical term for what they're touching?
3: It is difficult actually, and uh, uh, our marketing team is doing a great job trying to explain how this feels uh, before you feel it. But uh, essentially, it's a, it's a pressure. Uh, think okay. about it as a caress that you feel on your hand. It is not enough pressure to stop your hand, so you're not going to feel the hardness of a table, right? But it gives you the idea that there is an object there, and you feel it, right? And and gives you the reference, which is very important if we think about it as well uh, uh, from a reference perspective, right? Once, once you are in that new environment, you probably want to uh, have a reference that... Uh, that is that is, that virtual object is there, and if your hand passed through, is because well, it is virtual, but but you are you can manipulate and you can interact with that with that object. And uh, so, so, so
1: uh-huh. yeah, so Sly, you've reversed what you were doing with mapping, and you're now yeah, creating right. the pressure waves.
2: Yes, the um, the, the the concept uh, adding upon uh, what what Isaac mentioned of feeling a pressure wave. The best I can explain it is it sort of feels like what you expect a hologram would feel like. So if you see a hologram of a puppy in front of you, or baby Yoda, right, or Princess Leia from from R2D2, you wouldn't expect, you know, to feel like a solid a statue, right? Because it's pixelated, it's kind of transparent, it's translucent hologram. You expect, if you were to be able to touch it, probably have enough pressure where you could feel the 3D volumetric surface and angles of it. But not so strong where it would stop your hand from like closing in on it. So that is the level of fidelity that we can create and enable through through our, our tech. Um, but there's enough touch there where your mind fills in the gaps, and that's very important to convey what our intention our intentions are and our goal from a product perspective has always been not to replicate one to one reality, you know, hardness of objects to the virtual world. Our goal is to. Bring a new language of touch in the virtual one, and provide the right context and contours of touch where your mind fills in the gaps and fills in the spaces.
1: It, what so? The, the, what's the current limits of the technology today? I mean, clearly, you know, congratulations on being first to market with something like this. Because okay. conceptually, it's it's I'm. Um, wrapping my brain around what this is and and we're going to be talking shortly about getting one of these air expressed over so i can can (laughs) showcase this on our friday fireside um but but the the current limits is it is that the size is because that's the limit of it or that's as much as you can do or that's just your first let's get it out into the market
3: yeah great question yeah so the the technology platform is pretty flexible This particular uh, form factor is giving us the the best volume of interaction for the initial use case, and we can talk more about it. The immersed wave one device emits this force field in front of the user, and this force field is tangible up to three meters. And one. Three feet, sorry. Three feet above. Uh, the I device. just arrived from, from Spain, <laughs> so I'm. I'm <laughs> so three feet above af- above the device and 120 degrees of interaction, which is essentially the 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 length of your arms, and and, and we are optimizing for that type of volume. Um, for other type of applications, you can tile these devices so they could talk to each other, and you could create a bigger volume.
2: The reason that I know
3: you've
1: already talked about at some point creating a room out of these. It's
2: possible. Yeah, there's nothing that stands in the way from filling an entire room or stadium with these. However, we've been really obsessed with what is the value for the user, and over the course of our years of our user testing, we found that there is an optimal uh, dimension for a tactile space in a virtual virtual world, and it happens to fit very nicely within some of your already current behaviors of where your mouse, keyboard, coffee cup lives on your desk. In the human factors world, this is called your kinematic sphere or your primary cone of interaction. Because if you hold your hands out like this, the whole minority report dream, it's not needed, actually, because your hands get really tired. If you hold your hand out for more than 30 seconds, unless you're like really in shape, you're going to feel some burn here. We found that... These get get heavy. (laughs) Yeah, even those. We found that if you're going to engage, in, and you, you put it perfectly actually, four to five hours a day. You're going to and constrain your movements to a pretty small cone in front of you. And that's exactly the cone that the first device, the Wave 1, enables. Now, if you want double the cone, that's perfectly fine. You can buy multiple units and then they combine. But we, we haven't, to be honest, found that need um, when we started testing with people. So we wanted to find what is the minimum viable footprint, minimum viable interaction area for a single device which in the end we hope can become, you know, very affordable. Like like that's our ultimate vision that this is a mass produced product that becomes a new category of device in the user's home where each one of us, our parents, our future children can, can have one of these in the home. And you start filling out your home, not only with visual devices like a TV or audio devices like surround sound, but you start to think about filling out your home virtually and what enables you to interact with the virtual world through the sense of touch.
1: I can already tell you right now, I don't ever want to hear a cell phone ring again. <laughs> it can just, it can just, you know, tap me on the back when, when some, when my phone's beeping or buzzing or something, cause I'd never want to hear it again. Yeah. So, so the, the, the possibilities of, of what you guys have built are, are really mind boggling. And, and, you. you know, Thank so you. what, what's the reaction? Cause we saw the video, but when you're doing live demos in front of people that, again, you know, my brain can only struggle to understand some of the words you're saying. What, what's what's the initial reaction or or you know look on their face?
3: Yeah, and uh, it depends. Also, the reaction depends on the on the on the type of person that is trying the the, the system. Uh, the first reaction is always a wow. It is it is obviously there is a new experience. It's unique. But the, we are getting the strongest reactions from people that are actually using the system with the people they care about. No? The, when there is an emotional connection, an emotional link, uh, because it, it brings it brings that uh, impossible uh, before a sense, the sense of touch, into into, envi- into a new environment that allows them to communicate and feel present. Um, I mean, I can talk from my personal experience. Uh, I have my, my family, as you can imagine, across an ocean in Spain. And uh, for the last year, I've been using uh, VR to communicate with my parents every Saturday. And uh, for the last uh, seven months now, I've been using the Immersed System. And the first time that I tried the system, the experience with my mom, she cried. Why she cried? Well, uh, we are suffering from we have a very a very real pain, and no? um, uh, we've been I haven't seen them in three years, uh, so we crave the sense of that, and we are bringing that. And uh, so we think that those those uh, uh, relationships that um, uh, uh, when when people are separated, those people that have those relationships, those have the strongest reaction, the most positive reaction to our product.
2: Yeah, and in my case, a similar personal. Interaction with with my brothers, who I deeply care about, and we don't live together anymore. Um, we, we've got grown up and gone all over the country, and we play a lot of games on 2D consoles, on Switch, PC. We used to play chess a lot when we were growing up, and it's been really great to over the last few uh, months. Pr- and while we were prototyping and playing virtual chess within Emerge Home, when you can physically interact and feel the chess piece and then move it. And the thing is, we're, my brothers and I were kind of tired, like a lot of gamers, of the same old competitive shooter-type, MMO-type, Battlefield-type games. A lot of the times, we just want to catch up and be in a space together, and where we don't have to compete or win any game. And that's what we've really built Emerge Home to be like, is sort of this being together, playing simple games. Think Mario Party but really enabled by touch and very elevated by the sense of touch. I mean, when you bring touch into the metaverse, something as simple as the joy of like throwing a ball back and forth while chatting about your day or, or playing chess, it's really, it's really fulfilling because the sense of touch, it sort of grounds you in your reality. Um, each one of us, if you, had, if you were not able to feel this table or your ground or your chair, you'd it'd be hard to gain leverage and understand what reality you're in and so when you share the sense of touching and experience with someone you sort of feel closer together by proximity
1: the the implications of you know this device going mainstream um, you know anyone that's even thinking about metaverse even thinking about VR AR whatever the case is you know there's a few things we hear you know constantly there's there's a need for for motion, there's a need to feel like you're moving without the, you know, um, the, the distance there, there's the need for kind of the, the sensory, uh, you know, sound, which is, which has really been done. I, I, I've, I work with a number of these, these, uh, AR VR things and sound is just fabulous. And that's mm-hmm. been something to sell for a while. Um, and, but touch is like, you know, you're wearing a vest so you can feel <laughs> the bullets or, you know, you, you do have the gloves and, and let's be clear, anyone who spent more than, more than like an hour in one of these, like. I don't care what relaxing game you're playing. You just start to get hot and sweat <laughs> because you're, you're immobile. You're generally in a room that has, you know, little to no circulation of, you know, just you're, like you're focused on one thing. And so the thought that you can free yourself from a lot of this, mm-hmm. and we know that this is going to get smaller. And in fact, we, we interviewed somebody that has contact, had the contact lenses in mm-hmm. um, the other day and, and was testing those mm-hmm. out. And so being able to touch these. You know where, um. You know what's the long term vision like? Where where does this thing get? Is it like we you talked about? You can tile them in a room, but what are some of the things that the developers are immediately coming back and saying I can use this for? Mm
2: -hmm. Well, before we go there, actually, I do want to. I love uh, what you said, and we really resonate with what you just said. A few phrases you mentioned. Number one, freeing yourself from the technology and the best user experiences. Like we're very obsessed with really great user experience that's frictionless. The best experience is always when the technology becomes invisible. And you mentioned a really great friction point that we were very cognizant of early on, the fact that a lot of the current uh, attempts to create touch virtually are wearable, which incurs an incredible level, level of friction. Now, haptic suits, haptic gloves, those could be fine for certain niche applications where the friction is not bad, military, enterprise, whatever. We've been really obsessed with, okay, well, why hasn't it made it to consumer yet? Haptic gloves have been around since 1977. Why do they look the same, and why is the technology fundamentally the same as the the haptic glove Zuckerberg was trying on the other month? Um, And when we looked at the space, we said, well, maybe maybe we can reframe the question, because to to answer the question uh, that the haptic gloves and haptic suits are attempting to answer are the one where you replicate reality one-to-one, feel a bullet, feel a, a rock that's super hard and dense in VR, but when you reframe the question and say, well, maybe we can create a new baseline of touch virtually, a new language of touch, maybe you don't have to incur so much friction for the user. Maybe it can be without a wearable. And so that, that really resonated with us when you mentioned like freeing yourself. And so in terms of like where the technology can go, I mean, we talk about this all the time. What you see on a website is actually a little bit different than the true vision of Emerge. Touch is just the first step for us as a company. If, if we're fortunate enough, and so far we have been, to fulfill our vision for for emerge we want to exist over the next 200 years to build products that bring us stepwise transformations and forward in how we feel present and he's I can talk about some of those things we brainstormed really early days but we look at the last 200 years we went from the telegram in 1830s to the metaverse now as we're talking about today in only 200 years so we're really excited about what are the next 200 years look like and how can we fundamentally feel more present across distance and time? And, and touch is the first step, but it's not the last one.
3: Yeah, I was looking at you. I, I wasn't sure you wanted to talk about the, the grand vision, but... <laughs> um,
1: oh, yeah, no, no, don't, look, bring it on. <laughs> I, got, I got five more questions after you before we, uh, we, we get a few of these on order.
3: Yeah, so, as Sly mentioned, so touch is the first baby step. Uh, for us, everything is in the brain. Um, our emotions are in the brain. The way we experience is in the brain. Um, so, in the future, we'll keep incorporating new, uh, new different technologies um, uh, to allow us to stay connected to our, through, through our brains through uh, BCI and brain-computer interfaces. Um, and there is this very interesting show in Netflix now um, called uh, Sensei. If you haven't watched it yet, uh, I I recommend it. It is very interesting. I find it very interesting. Uh, Essentially, uh, it is based on a group of people uh, that they can feel each other from a distance. Um, Each person can feel up to eight people. It's called a cluster. And uh, they can feel each other. They can feel their emotions. They can even feel each other physically. And they think uh, as if they were connected. And uh, it is due uh, an evolution of the frontal lobe. And because of that evolution, uh, now uh, this new type of human being was born. And it's called the, the uh, homo sensorium. Uh, well, we think that through technology, by adding different new technologies in the future that uh, could be incorporated into our bodies, uh, we could get to that stage. And that is very, very interesting for us. It's fascinating.
2: We really like playing it the... the just to wrap up there that we really like playing at the frontier of what's possible. And we love sci-fi. I love black mirror as well, which is very dystopian because we are very (laughs) cognizant of the fact that how the technology is designed can become a dystopia or utopia or most, most likely something in between. Um, And that's actually a huge reason why we felt a really great flow between us as co-founders because we weren't eternal techno optimists. We moved from Silicon Valley, actually, very purposely to LA because we believed in this mix of technology and culture and design in a very, you know, sustainable
1: and equitable way. So let's jump back to the device, which uh, you know, again, is is, I I need right here, so I can (laughs) um, just in case you're curious. But what what are the? It's plugged in. It's a powered. So, is is there a runtime? Does it get hot? Is there is there a maximum amount of usage you can have? Is
3: there any harm for it running for days, hours, months, years? Um, no. Uh, well, as every computer, uh, it gets uh, uh, with with time. Uh, it can get hot, uh, but uh, no, there is. Uh, we don't have limitations in terms of time. Actually, uh, uh, unlike a computer, um, it uses. Uh, it's, uh, it's power when you are in that interaction, when you are uh, uh, interacting with that virtual ob- object. While you are not interacting, while the device is just sitting in front of you, it is basically in a standby mode. So that allows us to have a, a device that can last very long and its components can last very long as well. Um, I wanted to mention now that you uh, were touching on on the particular aspect of the, of the hardware. Um, for us... T- also, b- because the type of company that we are, that we are a mission-driven company, one of the priorities that we had when we started was we, 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 we want to focus on human experience, on, on the user interaction, uh, because we want to solve that problem. But also, we want to be affordable. Right? For us, it was, it, it was inconceivable to think of a consumer device company that was trying to solve that problem. We wanted to be in every household. But uh, on the other hand, we'll have a very expensive device. So we, we had to drive our innovation at Emerge in the way that we will drive the cost down. And that was one of the reasons why I stayed in this R&D mode for, for this many years. Uh, we wanted to get to a point that the consumer device, that the hardware within the consumer device could be very cheap, very inexpensive. So to achieve that, we developed our own sensor. And that was a, a big milestone for us. Uh, if we, if we uh, take out this, this lid that you see in front of you, uh, you will find a group of sensors, group of uh, speakers, and those are the ones responsible to create that, that force field that we were talking about before. No? These are uh, kind of very small speakers. So we developed our own speaker based on this very well-known technology called the MEMS which are essentially very, very tiny microelectronic systems uh, uh, that allows a membrane to move very fast and in a very efficient way up and down and generate that ultrasound. And it is it is one of the it is uh, the first one in of its class in the in the world, Uh, and we are very proud of it. We obviously we didn't design it on our own. We have great partners and great great investors in in that space. Uh, But essentially, that new sensor is going to allow us to create a a future consumer device that is an order of magnitude lower than a smartphone, and that is very exciting for us.
1: That is amazingly cool. It, I mean, beyond. So let's talk about the interface into it because we, we've established the hardware is beyond my my interact, my interact <laughs> knowledge base. How, how can, what's, is there APIs? What's the interface mm. like if I want to create, you know, my own experience?
2: Yeah, you, you had a really great question earlier, Jay, with regard to developers. So the first way that you would be able to experience the Emerge Home is with combination and within an Oculus Quest 2. Now, huh? when the sky is limitless and you have infinite possibilities of what you could do, it actually um, makes it very challenging. So we very purposely constrained the first use case to make sure that the first uh, impression, essentially, of the world of what we've built is fantastic and has the best user experience possible and frictionless as possible. So actually, we've built with content creators, with a very few content creators very closely, some experiences that tie in uh, natively with an app, with an uh, Oculus Quest that we've built called Emerge Home. We are working as well with other content creators in VR studios to fulfill other uh, game rooms um, that will be enabled through our hardware, the Wave 1. The developer path for us is one that's more that's quite unique in that we've essentially enabled a new user interface. So we've been working very closely hand-in-hand with developers as opposed to you know, pushing out a dev kit very widely.
1: That's fascinating. And and to be clear, it doesn't matter if it's flat on the table, on the wall, or on the ceiling, it creates the same force field. It
2: can, it can be oriented in, in a variety of ways. However, all of the experiences have been designed with this sort of flat on a surface um, uh, position in mind. And that's something that might be good to note in that, as like I mentioned, you can feel objects within a three degree vertical height, 120 degree cone, because you have a very three, large... Three
3: feet, not three meters, right? Yeah, three
2: feet, not three meters. <laughs> that comes in wave three. <laughs> you, because you have this this range, the, the basics and the fundamentals of how we create that range, it's called beamforming, enables you to physically feel a variety of different angles of a virtual object. So say you're wanting to feel the curve of a ball. Well, I can feel the side of the ball here. And here, because we're actually be able to beamform at very sharp angles. A really interesting thing is, even you potentially can feel it here, up underneath the ball, but you shouldn't technically be feeling it. But what happens, we found out in a majority of users, not all, but in a majority, is your mind fills in the gaps. Remember what we said earlier we're not trying to replicate touch one to one. Our goal is to provide the right sense of touch in the right visual and audio context so you have this experience that's here. And so um, that's why after years of testing with, with people and users and human factors, this product is to be positioned in this way. We could have built a box. And you stuck your hand at the box, feel it from all angles. But we found out you don't need to because of what I just mentioned about being able to steer the beam at very sharp angles and also creating the lowest friction user experience.
1: My mind immediately goes to, like, the mischief that I could cause with this thing in a dev kit. Um, uh, can it go through an acoustic seal ceiling tile? Because I could have more fun with that in an office environment than I could even think of. <laughs> Virtual pranks, you're, you're imagining <laughs> and- Yeah. <laughs> You know it. It, it is. Um, so, what's been one of the the kind of coolest use cases you've seen that the developers come up with? Clearly, they're making shapes. Are they? Are mm. they? You know, heart, like you can make a ball or a cone, and that's it. Or, but the hands obviously moving and changing. So it's
3: it's yeah, probably a very ridings. personal
2: actually favorite. Yeah, you want mm-hmm. to go first.
3: And we could perhaps <laughs> describe the first games that we have mm-hmm. in inside. Um, yeah, I have a, I have a preference. Uh, uh, Mm -hmm. the the, the one that I like the most. Uh, One of the games that we have in in our Immersed Home experience is called Worse Than Fly. And it's basically an experience where you use your hands to throw a flow of water uh, so you obviously feel the, the water on your hand. And you are directing that flow of water to f- towards some pigs. And those pigs are kind of in a circle, like running around. As you watch them, they fly and you get a point. And then there is this golden pig that always, <laughs> always makes me life. Makes me uh, I love it. And uh, that gives you more points. And uh, you can play with uh, up to eight people, I believe, in this circle. Mm-hmm. And it's so fun. It's so fun. It's meant to be just a fun experience, but it's so competitive. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. You really want to win that game. Yeah,
2: yeah that, that game is very much in line with the concept of Mario Party games where you know you have these sort of mini games that are really fun and silly and like in a party setting can be a ton of fun with your friends and, and family, but also competitive. A lot of our games are built with that same formula in mind. Um, one of the my favorite things that we've seen a developer partner build... Is really in the realm of um, sort of redefining what is a virtual handshake, or what is a virtual high five? Because in the real world, we do this; those are pretty much like it. and Maybe fist bump. In the virtual world, like we said, we're interested in what is what is a new UI there. Maybe we don't have to bring the one to one into the virtual world. So there's other concepts that that you can actually experience in emerge home where this is redefined. And um, as an example. Um, We've been playing around with the combination of certain gestures that seem that are pretty universal, like making, like doing this. And when you do this, our system detects this gesture, and it sends actually a really special sense of touch within your palm, and then it emanates outwards and is sent in the direction that you that you did you made the heart shape, and then the other person on the other side can receive your heart um, sensation. It's almost like in Star Wars, you you have a force power, and you can actually feel someone's force or send the force to somebody.
1: Oh my god! I love you guys. You're su- you're such great sci-fi nerds. <laughs> so so we talked about how it emulates the field up and and you know what it can do. How is it reading mm. the the user your user interaction? What's it doing there?
3: Uh, basically, we are using the hand tracking technology that is embedded into the headset. Okay. Yeah. There are. Uh, this is, for instance, an Oculus 2 headset. There are four cameras on the on these four corners, and yeah, that is the the, the hand tracking we use. If you use in the future an AR headset, for instance, a Hololens, those headsets bring also hand tracking. So we are leveraging the state of the art of hand tracking that is that is out there. There is a potential. So,
1: so, we... so somebody they don't have to have that to be able to send their their hand or, the, or their interaction in the
2: first. Uh, addition of the Emerge Home system, we are leveraging the hand tracking on the Oculus Quest to have that full experience that we just talked about. But we are already conceiving and prototyping having hand tracking on board our device. In theory, Alt sound energy has primarily been used as a tracking technology. That that was my past, you know, 3D mapping underwater objects, even above water. Mm -hmm. Um, So we could do it here, but we've just as a startup and really focusing our priorities on output the touch and leveraging off-the-shelf hand tracking but in terms of future development we have quite a lot of options
1: So listen th- we know how hard um, sometimes it is to, to convince PE and VCs, you know something this this conceptual how's it been working um, in the investment the investment community in and around web3 have they been receptive to this or are they are they still kind of what, what's the overall feeling?
2: In the fundraising landscape within the metaverse, it's changing very quickly. VC itself changed very quickly during the pandemic. Last year, we ended up finding great alignment with a few investors that we didn't expect that were actually industry experts and operators in the space. Um, Matthew Ball, Kevin Lin, the co-founder of Twitch, Mark Merrill, the co-founder of Riot Games, makes League of Legends. All of them ended up um, uh, really finding flow with what we are building and aligning with our vision and ended up backing us as individual investors, which is a huge honor for us. And we see the next phase of uh, financing in the space and specifically our product with investors that are builders that understand how challenging it is to build a, you know something in the space and operate a company, but also the big potential of this. I don't think enough people are really focusing. And Matthew Ball is just telling me this, this week. Um, enough people aren't focusing on what is next. I think there's a lot of very linear challenges that we know we have to do. Increase refresh rate, increase bandwidth, increase interoperability. And we've been sort of tackling this pillar of the metaverse off in a corner with regard to human interaction. And there are investors that are now aligning with that vision. And we're excited that there, they happen to be people that are simultaneously building the metaverse in, in their areas.
1: It's absolute, I mean it's absolutely fascinating the technology and, and again to just come from the two of you in two and v- two very different worlds and to bring you know your your passion and your energy together how did you meet how, where did this come from
3: Well um, Silico- Silicon Valley right mm-hmm. actually as a child that was my dream I wanted to build a company in California and well here I am um, so yeah I met Sly and Mauricio in this program funded by Google X and NASA was a pretty cool program uh, 10 weeks uh, in Bay Area
2: and Google X is the moonshots incubator arm of Google if those aren't familiar. yes yeah
3: And uh, yeah it was a, it was a very interesting program. Uh, 80 people from very different backgrounds 45 countries 45 countries uh, we had people from the filming industry, actors, directors, uh, people from the um, uh, corporate world, like myself. I was at Siemens b- back then. Uh, people from the social entrepreneurship world, as a slide. And uh, all of us, we had the passion about technology and, and uh, the drive of using technology to improve people's lives. So it was a very intense uh, summer together. And uh, for us, uh, it was very powerful that, that realizing that we were sharing the, the, this connection or this passion about human connection. But the real link was the soccer field. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Yeah, we met. We met playing soccer. Actually, if you recall, so we we met playing soccer before we worked together, mm-hmm. and uh, we 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 saw that flow, that flow in the in the field. So we said, yeah, let's 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 work together. Let's see. What, let's
1: see. what was that? What was the early thirty second elevator pitch? Hmm.
3: It was remember? very
1: similar,
2: actually, to what we're doing now. It was um, we had a tagline: "Feel connected." We had a tagline, a scent, a touch of reality, mm-hmm. and we actually concepted, the first pitch was enable, imagine being able to physically feel on a FaceTime call, like very linearly. Um, because if you remember, 2015 was before the first Oculus commercial, Oculus was available. So oh, we were yeah. thinking maybe you could create touch on a FaceTime call, like literally maybe on the back of a cell phone or something. Um, but very quickly, we started seeing the potential of a 3D space and 3D touch.
3: Yeah, it's, uh, essentially, Jay, yeah, it's true. The, the first very initial uh, seed for us was thinking about a telegram for touch, no? imagine that you will be able to send the touch over the distance in its simple, uh, more simple form.
1: It, it, it's such a cool story. And that's why I always like to ask, you know, entrepreneurs like yourself, like, how did it start? Because a lot of our, you know, again, our audience is more B2B business and, and you know, growing um, in, in that kind of high level uh, VC world. And it's very interesting to hear, you know, two young entrepreneurs like yourself from very different backgrounds mm-hmm. brought together, you know, by by Google. It's one of the one of the few good things they've done this week <laughs> um, and, and, and provided you guys an opportunity to meet and collaborate. It was uh, now, are, are you guys, you know, true web three people where you're, you're now working um, you're clearly together right now, but are you, do you guys work remotely most of the time or with your team or, or are you guys physically in in a, in a shop?
3: You know, I mean now uh, most, uh, many companies or most of the companies are, are working in this uh, remote environment. Yeah. We, we are hybrid uh, since we are building hardware uh, we have members that need to be here with us in the, in the office and the rest, um, we are 80, 80% software engineers, so the rest work from home and and we've been operating that way. Um, this is the first year actually that we have members outside LA. Um, uh, so 90% of the team is based in LA and then mm-hmm. we have a few members that are uh, dispersed uh, across the US and a growing hub in Seattle. Uh, We are very excited about about that city. It's going to be very important for us. Love it,
1: love it.
2: We have uh, financial backing from some great venture capitalists such as M13 based here in LA and Vulcan Capital, um, the late Paul Allen's fund, as well as industry leaders um, that are actively building and have built big companies in the metaverse um, and thought leaders in the space, including Matthew Ball, Kevin Lynn, the co-founder of Twitch, and Mark Merrill, the co-founder of Riot Games, which makes games like League of Legends. So we're really excited and have been really honored to have been and found financial backers that align with the the bigger vision that we have at Emerge to you know, connect people across this in time and to take the leap in this pretty bold bet to create a new consumer um, uh, interface. And we're really excited about this next coming year, as I think a lot of other investors in the space start to shift their focus towards what is now being called, referred to as the metaverse.
1: So, so in, you know, and in, in you like I said, you guys are clearly you've got a product out. This is, I mean, this is huge. So it's a, you know, it's a, it's a first of first. Um, I don't think there's any competition in the space. So congratulations for, for first to market and creating Thank you. force field, Thank you so much. Um, which I, I will absolutely need a t-shirt uh, stating that such. And, you know, it, as we kind of move into metaverse, we you, you're clearly spending a lot of time in the space, AR, VR. Um, we're looking for a, a new name instead of metaverse, because uh, it seems Zuckerberg has stolen that from mm-hmm. us. So, um, but, but in and around that field, what are you guys seeing? That's just cool or mm-hmm. anything in related to web three that has really got you guys inspired and excited? Because what I'm seeing is a very inspirational product. Mm-hmm. And I can say that our viewers and, and, and everyone else that's in to see this and have <laughs> a million ideas uh, of ways to do it. And again, I, the first thing I'm doing is, is, you know, harassing you guys, so I can create an alert system, so I don't ever hear emails or anything coming off my computer again. <laughs> just, just ding me or tap me or drive me crazy until that's done. But, but what are what are you guys seeing that's just awesome out there? Uh,
3: personally, perhaps the I'm I'm personally more interested on on the on display technologies. Um, beyond what we all, all, all of us know, uh, the, the, the Facebook, the Meta ones, and the, the Microsoft <laughs> ones. Uh, there are pretty cool startups doing really good work on, on very advanced display technologies. From uh, AR glasses, uh, um, if you want to Google them, Cura, Cura AR is, it is a really cool company based in Silicon Valley. Um, they are building AR glasses. And uh, there is another company in New York called Looking Glass, uh, that are very focused on projected holograms, um, which are pro- holograms that comes out from a screen. And that is very interesting for us. No? We wanted to build that technology that was very natural and intuitive without wearables. So that is a, a really, really good pair for our technology.
2: And then that, that, that same line of, of thinking, there are some other chip-level companies also in the display world we've been tracking, like Mojo Vision, Ostendo is based here in L.A., that makes sort of these uh, very uh, small light photonic chips that will enable uh, ultimately very light wear, uh, lightweight wearable AR glasses. Another trend I'm really excited about is not really new, but I think it was new maybe a year or two ago or, or very hot, but now we're going to start to see the real ramifications of it or everything around the creator economy. Mm-hmm. And the fact that big companies are now starting to realize that empowering people and consumers with the tools to make their own content um, pays off from a business perspective. And we're starting to see that shift from AAA gaming studios, perhaps, or maybe at least a blend from that to more community generated content. And that's really exciting um, in general. Also happens to be very exciting in our case, because ultimately we are shifting towards this ultimate, the final user experience where you can customize and create um things that matter to you and, and moments that matter to you. I actually really resonate with the whole turning off the cell phone notifications, Jay, because they drive me crazy as well. And uh, it's kind of silly how we use cell phones today. They're, they're not phones anymore. And so yeah, having someone call me on, on the phone is, is a little bit odd. And it's it's completely out of context depending on where I am. But our spaces should uh, understand what we're doing at the time and if it's the appropriate time to notify us. And um, I'll just tease out that we've been thinking about user experiences like that from our perspective as well in terms of our product. We're building for the next 10-year vision something we, like, we used to call the XR hub where this could allow and enable a lot of the interaction interfacing with your virtual social interactions in your home. And uh, now we might call this like a metaverse hub. Right now enables touch. But there's a lot more that can go into this. And that's all I'll say for now.
1: <laughs> awesome, guys. No, absolutely love it. Thank you so much. So um, if people want to learn more about Emerge or, or you guys in general, where's the best place for them to reach you?
3: Uh, our website. Yeah. Please come to our website, immerse.io, And uh, we, we have a lot of information there and uh, all the features and the ways to buy our device.
2: We just launched, yep. so it's a really exciting moment to join our journey and be part of our community.
1: That's fabulous. And are you seeing, you know, so obviously you guys are, are going to be on social wanting to get those reactions, wanting to get those, uh, you know, th- those first um, touch with a, <laughs> with your force field so guys i really thank you so much hang out for a second um again that's emerge.io and uh super excited for the new force field coming to my office here very soon
0: <laughs>
2: thanks jay. Thank you. Thank you.
0: why whales was founded in 2021 by jay steinbeck a passionate entrepreneur and business owner with the purpose of bringing ypo and yng members together in the cryptoverse YWales Whales is a collaborative and confidential community centered around cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, an exclusive crypto hub of more than 600 members. To be notified when we release new content, please subscribe to our show in your preferred listening app. For more information, visit www.ywhales.com.